Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Holy Communion. Thank you for joining us for this sermon. You can find all of our sermons at holycommunion.net and our Facebook, YouTube, and podcast channels. Consider hitting like or subscribe. Consider sharing this sermon with others. It helps us to reach more people like you. We are so thankful to those who support our ministry. You can give today at holycommunion.net backslash give. I remember when I first found out that I was pregnant with my, with my first child. It was over a decade ago now, and I had suspected that I might be pregnant, and yet nothing prepared me for that moment when I stood there looking down at that pregnancy test, waiting for those two lines to appear. I was immediately hit with an overwhelming mixture of emotion. Excitement, fear, trepidation, wonder, more fear, more excitement. They each hit me like a wave. Excitement at this wonderful new chapter that was beginning in our lives. Fear and trepidation at all that we knew could go wrong. Wonder for all of the questions for which we have still as yet to find answers. What will they be like when they grow up? Will they be happy? Will they feel pain? How will they change the world? With each subsequent child, those emotions have not lessened and those questions have not dissipated. Pregnancy is one of our central themes of Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, which begins tonight, marks the day in which we celebrate God's creation of the world. And the day on which our tradition teaches every creature on earth is brought before God in judgment. Over the course of this holiday, we will recount the stories of four biblical women Sarah, Hagar, Hannah, and Rachel, who each yearned to give birth. And we remember the cries and the tears that they shed over their children. Sarah, because of the sacrifice of her son. The Midrash, the rabbinic teaching, tells us that an angel showed Sarah the vision of Abraham holding the knife about to sacrifice Isaac as he was bound to the altar. And it was that vision of her son, her only son, the son that she had prayed for and waited for for so long, about to be slaughtered, that killed her. In that very moment before God stopped Abraham from lowering the knife, Sarah's soul departed, unable to bear the thought of living in a world without her child. Hagar, who believed that she was watching the death of her only son, sent away from her home with only a little food and water from Abraham and left with nothing. She placed Ishmael under a bush, unable to see him suffer, turned away and wept. Hannah, 
A woman so bereft at her inability to have a child that she pleads with God for a son, a prayer so famous that our rabbis learn how to pray from Hannah. Hannah is so desperate for a child that she makes a deal with God, a promise vowing to give her son in service to God, in a sense, giving up her son just for a chance to know him. And Rachel. Rachel, like Hannah, the favorite wife of her husband, and yet unable to bear him a child, like Sarah and Hannah, Rachel is ultimately able to conceive, and in fact, conceives twice. Yet she, too, gives her life for her children, dying in the course of childbirth. On Rosh Hashanah, we read from the book of Jeremiah, as he tells us of God describing the cries of Rachel shedding in heaven as she watches her children marched into exile. But even more so than the powerful stories of these women, whom we remember on Rosh Hashanah, we see the theme of pregnancy and birth so clearly in the liturgy of the day itself. Six times over the course of the day, we repeat the phrase, Hayom Harat Olam. It's translated frequently in the prayer book as, today is the birthday of the world. But in fact, the word harat means pregnant. Hayom harat olam. Today, the world is pregnant. We recite this phrase each time the shofar, the ram's horn, is blown. We say, Hayom harat olam, Hayom ya'amid mishpat kol yitzurei olamim. This day, the world is pregnant. This day stands all the world's creations up in judgment. Im kevanim, im ka'avadim. Stands them as children or as slaves. Im kevanim, rachamenu kerachem av albanim. If as children have compassion for us, as a parent has compassion for their children, and if as slaves, our eyes are raised and fixed on you, God, until you show us favor and bring out our judgment like sunlight, awesome, holy. Upon close study, this is an odd paragraph. If we read Hayom Harat Olam as today is the birthday of the world, then perhaps the rest of the paragraph that speaks about judgment could make sense. After all, anniversaries are an opportunity to look back and reflect. Where we've been, where we're going. We evaluate all that we have done over the past year, what has been successful, what has not been successful, where we have achieved our goals, where we have fallen short of our goals, what new goals we want to set for the coming year. But if we say Hayom Harat Olam, today the world is pregnant, 
then how does that connect with the rest of this passage speaking about judgment? The Hasidic master, Rabbi Menachem Nachem of Chernobyl, who lived in the 18th century, offers one interpretation. He says that we say on Rosh Hashanah, Hayom Harat Olam, today the world is pregnant, for it is in the stage of pregnancy that mercy was hidden like a fetus in pregnancy. But now that must be awakened by the shofar that it should be revealed into actuality. He takes the word olam, which means world, and he reads it as he'elam, which means hidden. He says, in essence, that we live in a world in which mercy is hidden. In actuality, though, we live in a world in which a lot more than mercy is hidden. We live in a world in which God is hidden. And although we believe in God's presence and we seek it in our everyday lives, it's something we work hard to find. God doesn't appear to us through our eyes or speak to us through our ears. God is not discernible to us through our senses. For anyone who's ever felt a baby kick in utero, you know that baby exists. You can feel it. You can't see it. And you can't hold it. But that doesn't mean that it isn't very real and very present in our world. And the same can be said of God. Just because God is sometimes hidden doesn't make God absent. And yet we stand here today struggling to find the words that we need to speak to God, trying to focus our minds on that which we cannot fathom. We imagine that we can see that which we cannot see and hear that which cannot be heard so that we can somehow find within ourselves the proper intention for meaningful prayer before a God who, no matter how fervent our prayer, no matter how desperate our pleas, no matter how intense our need to see or hear or feel God always remains behind a curtain. Hayom harat olam, this day the world is pregnant. Today the world holds God in its womb, present yet unseen, within and able to be experienced yet obstructed. And why does this verse then come after the blowing of the shofar? What is the cry of the shofar? What of these series of sounds that we make before reciting this paragraph? It's the cry of birth. Because our responsibility every day, but on Rosh Hashanah especially, is to reveal God into the world. We reestablish God's reign over the world. Although today we mark the anniversary of the day that God first created humankind, in an ironic twist, today it is we who birth God into the world. We choose not to sit in our chairs and wait for God to reveal God's self in the world. We are not passive participants, we are active partners. We declare to the world on this day that the world did not come into existence by accident, but was created by the one true God.
We declare to the world on this day that God rules over the entire world. And we remind the world today and every day that God is manifest in the world, hidden amidst coincidences and luck, accidents and happenstance. If you'll bear with me, I want to offer one additional interpretation. Hayom harat olam, this day the world is pregnant. Interestingly, this phrase comes from a passage in Jeremiah. Jeremiah, as we might recall, suffers severely over the course of his life. And at one point, Jeremiah cries out, Accursed be the day that I was born. Let not the day be blessed when my mother bore me. Accursed be the man who brought my father the news and said, A boy is born to you, and gave him such joy. Let that man become like the cities which the Lord overthrew without relenting. Let him hear shrieks in the morning and battle shouts at noontide, because he did not kill me before birth so that my mother might be my grave and her womb big with me for all time. Why did I ever issue from the womb to see misery and woe, to spend all my days in shame? In stark contrast to all the stories that we mentioned earlier of the mothers who wanted so badly, who had prayed so strongly to see a child born, Jeremiah prays to God that she should never have been born. He asks, Why did I ever issue forth from the womb? And he wishes instead, that his mother's womb should simply have remained pregnant forever. Here, harat olam has a very different meaning. Harat olam does not refer to the birthday of the world or to the world being pregnant, but to one who is eternally pregnant. Not the word olam, which means world, but le olam, which means forever. And so I want to offer you hayom harat olam. Today, we are eternally pregnant. Today, we are pregnant not just with God, who is hidden away within us and within our world, but we are pregnant with potential. Today, we stand on the cusp of everything that the coming year might bring. And that potential is limitless. You do not need to have ever been pregnant to know what it means to have birthed something into the world. And like the day I described so many years ago, today we too stand together with excitement, fear, trepidation, and wonder. We don't know what the coming year will bring. And even for those things we might know about, we have no way to predict their ultimate outcome. Hayom harat olam, hayom ya'amid mishpat. Today we are eternally pregnant. Today we stand in judgment. 
We stand in judgment for all the potential that we hold within us as to whether that potential will be birthed for good or for bad, for success or for failure, for healing or for illness, for gain or for loss, for joy or for sorrow. All of those possibilities are already within us. They are all real. They are just yet to be realized. They're yet to be birthed. And so, as we join together this morning, on the final day of the Hebrew year, 5782, we pray. We pray for a year in which we can make God manifest in our world. A year of mercy, a year of hope, a year of blessing, a year of new beginnings, a year in which all of our potential today should be birthed for good. And as we say, Shana Tova Umetuka, may it be a happy and sweet new year.